Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. And good morning. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money on this almost fine spring Saturday morning here. We'll see how it goes. Let's see. Today, first of all, my sidekick business partner and favorite son-in-law, Mr. Kirk Reed, is with us. I think we're Zooming this morning, Kirk. Is that correct? Have you had your coffee yet or something like that or what, huh? He he needs an espresso. (laughs) Not enough to be functioning completely. All right. Double dose of the caffeine. (laughs) Yeah, let me just take a swig right now. Take your time. Take your time. All right, so folks, today's going to be fun, and uh, it'll be fun because the official title of the show, I have trouble making up titles once in a while, but the financial media, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's like the official title of the show. What's going to happen, and I'm going to have some fun because I've got about 30 articles that I've picked up in the last week or two, and all of the articles, in my opinion, have some kind of financial tidbit or piece of wisdom that a lot of folks listening to us could hopefully use. We're going to hop around in terms of the subject from all kinds of financial pieces of information, but my screening basically said maybe somebody can learn something about their financial situation on this article and how I think about it and how it all works a thing. So I'm going to have some fun because I just love to tee off when I see some articles that I think are, some are good, some are bad, some are ugly, and a lot are stupid. And I just want to try to educate the public on that. And the other piece of the fun I'm going to have is Kirk doesn't have a clue about what the articles are this morning. So I'm going to get some natural reactions from you about it. And I'm sure we can have some fun with that as well. Okay. That's right. I'm in the dark. All right. So let's see. I guess the <clears throat> I guess the way we'll start is all right. All right. So I, I have all right. Hey, pick pick one. Eight things you think are tax deductible that aren't. Baby boomers are wasting money in retirement. How to stop it? Americans think they need to save this much to retire. Are they right? Pick one of those, Kirk. We can start with that. Let's go with the third one. The third one. Americans think they need to save this much to retire. Okay. So, first of all, the source of this article is Smart Asset, a financial company that they do a lot of things. The date is April the 10th, 2023, uh, and the author is Patrick Villanova. So, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm actually looking at an article here. So, I'll read a bit and then we'll have some fun commenting. If $1 million was once the consensus target for retirement savings in the U.S., that appears to be changing. A recent Schwab Retirement Plan Services survey found that 401k plan participants across the country now believe they must save $1.9 million for retirement. The online survey survey handled by Logica Research conducted 1,000 interviews with plan participants between the ages of 21 and 70 and gauged confidence levels for
for achieving their own retirement goals. Whether you're just beginning to save or quickly approaching retirement age, okay, th- that's the spread, if you will, in that. Okay, in 2019, the same Schwab survey found that 401k participants had a target retirement savings of $1.79 million. That goal has increased, and so has investors' confidence in reaching their goals. Okay, more than half, 53% of the participants, said they are likely to achieve their retirement goals, up 16% from a year ago when the COVID-19 pandemic unleashed massive economic turmoil. Okay, so I guess my first, you had a reaction to any of that so far, Kirk? (laughs) I had a question or two. Did Did it say, those people that were surveyed, did it say like where they are located? Nope. Nope. Okay. Okay. It's a broad general survey. I, whatever. I'm sure they followed certain rules. Yeah. My, my first reaction is of the folks who surveyed that, of the 53% uh, who said that they are they're feeling like they're likely to achieve their retirement goals, I, I wonder what percentage of them are going to be right or how financially savvy those folks are. And my take is that any survey that asks people who are investing money, how they feel. This is how they feel, but you have no idea what their qualifications were or, or, or if there's this, that, and the other thing. We meet a lot of folks who care a lot about their money in the course of our business, and a lot of them, okay, are pretty unaware of a whole bunch of financial issues that they should be. I think that's probably the way with most Americans. And just because 53% of people surveyed think they're going to retire and live happily ever after, I, I don't know what we take out of that, okay, from reality, given the circumstances. There's a whole bunch of pretty depressing numbers out there in the world about people who just hit retirement and how much money they saved and how poorly they are off. I, I, I don't know what good a survey like this does, I guess would be my first reaction, or how helpful it is to save. By the way, the the asset, smart asset folks are a financial firm that would like you to go to their financial advisors and take their advice. So there's obviously some skewing over here. But I guess from my point of view, so what? Everybody's different. Everybody has a different financial situation. Everybody pays attention to it on a scale from zero to 100% of their time. What good does that do anybody that reads that do you got any comments on that i think and sometimes i think you know the timing of the survey can be interesting too yeah as far as how people are feeling about the world yeah and feeling about their their balances when they look at them even somebody that's doing relatively well in the world financially speaking will feel will feel wealthier and then sometimes poorer depending on what the market's doing and things like that Yep. Yeah. Um, By the way, if we took this survey in the middle of a miserable 2007-8 market survey, there might be a whole lot higher percentage of people who can't make it given the circumstances. I just don't know how meaningful it is. And I think, yeah, if, again, we're just, we're guessing or speculating about who those people were that were surveyed. If they're not yet retired, that's one mindset versus somebody that has retired and no longer has their income coming in from work and 
And people often feel very differently about that when they get to that point. Yep. Now, by the way, built into this article, I'm going to quote some statistics from the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. Okay. And they calculated the median retirement savings, actual savings in 401ks for several age groups. Okay. Take a guess at the median 401k IRA balance for folks age 55 to 64. These are the people that are almost there. Take a guess. And where are they located? All over the country, presumably. All over the country, okay. Yeah. And I know, and, and that's a great question because living in, in Massachusetts and living in Mississippi are probably two different numbers, obviously, but yeah. anyway. Yeah, I'll say 400,000. Okay, how about 120,000? Oh, okay. Okay, so on one hand, 53% of America are feeling pretty good. On the other hand, the average balance for a 55 to 64-year-old middle median is 120000 Let's do a little math here. I just read this morning that the median Social Security check, okay, or average Social Security check for this year is about 1600 bucks. Okay, so let's see if I do a little quick math in my head. Let's assume a married couple, both who have an average Social Security check, that's $3,200 a month before taxes and a bunch of other stuff. If I multiply $3,200 times 12, I get $38,400. So that's a, an income in retirement of $38,400. Okay, if you have $120,000 on top of that, how long is that going to last and what kind of life does that provide? Th th those numbers are pretty frightening when you start thinking about the circumstances. I, we would tell folks, there's two ways to look at your retirement, but the most important, we've had people say, I want this much money in right, my retirement plan. And this article is focusing on how much money is in there. How much is in there and how much you take from it <laughs> are the two parts of the equation. Okay, if you have a $38,400 Social Security income and $120,000, okay, in investments, that, by the way, in the, we would tell them that if you want it to last, you could probably take, what, 4 or 5% out of there a year without it shrinking and adjusted for inflation? That, right. Okay, well, that right. four or five percent of one hundred twenty thousand is five or six thousand dollars. Okay, so now you're, now you're at what yeah. forty three thousand? Yeah, something like that. Forty three, forty four thousand. So the question is, that's that you know, to me that sounds like a fairly scary number. And it, it, we're sitting here in Massachusetts talking about people in retirement and lives things. So my point is that surveys aren't worth too much because I'm not sure what percentage of the survey respondents are keenly aware of exactly what they need, never mind what they have is a thing. Just, a, I don't know, financial waste. There are other, oh, then they go into how much <clears throat> you have to save at a certain age to get to those retirement numbers. And then the last thing that bothered me about the article was that, yeah, they spent most of the time talking about how to get to the number. If you have $120,000 in your nest egg in retirement, folks, and if you need 2000 a year, you're golden. Okay, if you have $120,000 in your retirement and you need 20000 a year, you're in big trouble. And the other piece of this is they should have asked these folks, so how much do you think you're going to have 
And how much of that do you think you're going to take? That would <laughs> They'll never do that because it'll be pretty depressing for most folks. But, I, you know, it's just this is just a waste. The thing I take about it from this is that, folks, everybody's got your own financial situation. I hope you pay a lot of attention to it. And the numbers for everybody are different. And reading something like this, just a waste of time. Your comments, sir, before we move well, on here. Well, I was, you mentioned that they have... I thought maybe you could read those numbers about how much you should have saved at various ages. Yeah, okay. I always find those interesting, but at the same time, I always find them, to me, they... To me, they're inaccurate, but... Okay. I, um, Average 401k balance ages 35 to 44, 51,000. But is that... Okay, but that's just what they have. That's not what they're supposed to have. Oh, that's just what they have, which is I see. pretty scary. I'll get to those other numbers in a second. Yeah. Medium okay. 401k, 401k balance, 45 to 54, 90,000. And median 401k balance for 50... Five to 64, 120,000. Okay, let's see here. <clears throat> so building a $1.9 million nest egg, 401k balance, monthly savings, retirement age 65. Let me think about that. Let's see. For a 35-year-old, they need to save $500 a month. Oh, sorry, $900 a month. Okay. Nine, starting when? Yeah, start, well, at 35. To get, if they took the average balance... Okay, that they had for a 35-year-old and then said, how much do you have to save to get to a million nine? Okay, so starting with, okay, an age 35-year-old to 45 person, $900 a month if you have a $51,000 balance to get to a million nine. I don't know what they use for a rate of return, by the way. If, If you're 45 years old, and here's a message, okay, it's $2,475 a month to get there. And if you're 55 years old, it's $8,930 a month to get there. Okay. Interesting set of numbers, folks. The short story is the earlier you start savings, the easier it gets. And most people who are on the younger side don't pay as much attention to retirement as most folks who are on the older side. And it's that there's a, a lesson there someplace. I know. And that's when, yeah, that's when it's, yeah, it's... <laughs> You could argue that it's easier, right, when you start earlier because you don't have to save as much per period. But oftentimes, when you're younger, your your income is lower, and it's you got a lot of things to try to deal with. But, yeah. But, that's, but that. But yeah. But if you can put that into perspective, it's you'll thank yourself down the road the more you throw in when you're younger. Yep. A- amen. Okay. So what I'm gonna do here? Okay. So I've done that one, Kirk. Okay, so that's number one. I'm going to delete this article off my iPad. It'll be gone forever, but Boy. Be, but I know that makes me a little... Probably, sc- probably not. Somebody's tracking you. You think? I don't know. Where shall I put that? Oh, maybe I can just file it away here. But anyway, that's my... Wait a minute. Oh, I can do this. I know what I can do, Kirk. All right, I go here. Okay, I take that and I file it. Okay, yeah, I'm good. All right, now. All right, let's see. All right, pick a title here. Oh, this is a good one. Okay, three of them. One of the worst money mistakes. What happens when you pay off your mortgage? Financial chaos at 12,000 feet in Bolivia. (laughs) I think I like the first one. Okay, so the first one was worst money mistake, right? Okay. Yes. All right, so one of the worst money mistakes... 
All right, let's see where we are here. Okay, so th the source of this is MoneyWise. By the way, folks, I picked up all these articles pretty much exclusively on Yahoo and Yahoo Finance, and they're obviously from many different sources. So this is a MoneyWise article, okay? And it's one of the worst money mistakes. This Harvard-educated economist says, you'll regret retiring early here are three big problems with leaving the workforce in your 50s. Okay? Are you ready? I'll read a bit and we can go from there. Retire early, question mark. As the old saying goes, that's good work if you can get it. But as a respected Harvard PhD economist notes, too many Americans are getting it without saving enough for it. Ooh, ooh not good. Okay, mm -hmm. L let me highlight the three of them, okay? And we can focus on all three of them from here. But here we go. Are you ready? So, ready. okay, lousy savers, that's the title of one. Under underestimating healthcare costs, that's to two. Shaky social security, not sure about that. Okay, and getting expert tax advice. Okay, there are four of those, but which one do you want? Let's go lousy savers, because I think that speaks to the survey we just took, basically. Yeah, that's a good segue. Okay, a few things, few things expose one's money habits, like retirement planning. Aggressive ritual savers who started early are rewarded with reliably, reliably rising account balances, supercharged by dividend reinvestments and compounding interest. But the reality is that millions of Americans simply aren't putting away enough money for traditional retirements, let alone the early exits pondered by 50-somethings, okay? We are, as a group, lousy savers making retirement unaffordable, a fellow by the name of Kotlikoff writes, okay, in a CNBC column last year. Financially speaking, it's generally far safer and far smarter to retire later. It should be noted that Kliknikov ends his argument by saying he plans to die in the saddle because he loves what he does. But those tired of corporate climbing or reporting to a manager may have different plans. Okay, so my, I guess my gut reaction to this is that we tell folks who, who retire early that they better be right and you better have things squared away and have a little extra measure of comfort because yeah, it's hard to go back to work if you find out five years later that your retirement plan number's missed and you, go, you need to go back and earn X amount of dollars given the circumstances. So your comments, sir. Yeah, we, that's what we do, right, for a living is show people down to the decimal yep. a financial plan, and we make some really good educated guesses and conservative guesses about the future. And if somebody says, yeah, I want to retire at 55 or whatever it may be, yep. and we can basically show them what that looks like. And, yeah, definitely one of the big, one of the big factors is health insurance, right, which yep. was, I know mentioned as part of one of your other articles there or maybe sub subtitle this one but if you go if you retire and now you don't have access to a to a big health plan health care plan and you're not old enough for medicare 
health insurance is pretty expensive. Yeah, you've got a gap there that's going to maybe be significant expense in the budget sort of a thing. Yeah, very quickly, we're just coming up to a break, but underestimating health care costs. Tim says I have a minute, so that's okay. There are lots of surveys that say you've got to, you're you going to spend two hundred and fifty to $350,000 for health care costs in retirement. And to me, that sounds a little high, but let's see. You've got medic people have Medicare payments. The average payment's like a little bit less than $200. It's like $180. i am just going to round off. So there's a couple of hundred bucks a month. Okay. And then the average folks, okay, need a supplement policy and per person. That's another, what, $350, $550? Oh, we're going to have to do the math after this break, break, folks. But retirement costs, I'm sorry, health costs and retirement could be scary. We'll be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. My co-host, sidekick, and business partner, Kirk Reed, is with me this morning. We're with a Zoom, and it sounds like you're here, Kirk, so this technology stuff's pretty good. One of those that, things. Folks, that is unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> when it works, it's amazing. <laughs> Folks, we're... Just kind of, I'm hopping around on a bunch of subjects today, picking on some articles that popped up in the media in the last couple of weeks that I thought were of interest and that there might be some tidbits of wisdom for our listeners. So right now we're talking about basically retiring early might not be a good plan for a lot of folks because because <laughs> most folks have difficulty retiring on time in retirement, I guess is the short story. And basically one, one of the issues is we usually don't save enough money. But the second one is a biggie, underestimating health care costs. Kirk, I just did some really simple math over the break here. So yep. it's 180 bucks a month for a Medicare payment. I'm going to round it off the 200 folks okay okay a typical gap policy because medicare doesn't cover everything yeah three another 300 a month and that's probably on the low side but i'll use that so that's 500 bucks a month okay for one person yep so for one person okay so if i took 500 average 65 year old lives to 90 these days plus or minus okay that's a 25 year span okay 500 dollars a month times 12 months times 25 years, 150,000 bucks. And that's without inflation. And that's one person. So I guess it's pretty easy to say that medical costs in retirement could be 300,000 plus or even more given the circumstances. Folks, that's money that's got to come out of your pocket. You know, that 500 a month, okay, is $6,000 a year off your budget, okay, in terms of what you need, basically. And that doesn't count co-pays and drug extras and whatever else is going on. But yeah, retiring early is just a higher degree of difficulty. And then the last one is shaky social security. And they basically make a point, okay, that if you're going to retire early, you want to try to lay off claiming social security and wait a period of time before you do that because at 60 for most folks at 66 in a month or two or three you get what you call your your retirement i forget the technical name but you get your social security if you start at 62 or a little bit later it's less than that and if you wait till 70 it's more than that and they basically said that if you're going to do that 
okay, you need to probably delay Social Security just to protect yourself. And by the way, delaying Social Security means you better have a pretty large nest egg or a bunch of money set aside because there's no income. If you retire at 62 and take Social Security, you're living off your money, whether it's in a retirement plan or not. And that's a whole other kettle of fish there, given the circumstances of finance. The short story is that if most people have difficulty Okay, making retirement work at the normal retirement age. Okay, sure, there are a bunch of folks listening to me who have the ability to retire early. You just better have your numbers right. You better probably, pardon me for sounding like a commercial for financial planners, but you probably need a comprehensive written financial plan as a second opinion for the fact that you're going to retire at 62 or 63 and everything's going to be hunky-dory for the rest of your life. Your comments on that. Yeah, regard, regarding Social Security, you can and you can say what you think, but I've been a lot of people have been reading things in the news about the security of the system itself, yeah, and what the future of it, and people are wondering if they should count on it uh, or how much of it they can count on or rely on in the future. Yeah, and so that's I guess my opinion is that I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah, uh, and maybe we'll see some changes over some of our lifetimes, depending on how old or young you are. But I think I think for somebody that's nearing retirement, I don't foresee too many significant changes for those folks as far as what they might anticipate receiving. But that's just one unknown in in the big the big world of trying to plan the future. Yeah, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. My thoughts days. are that if you're close enough to retirement, you're safe because you vote. And our kids and grandkids are going to be punished for that. That's my simple thought, given the circumstances. All right. Pick one of these. I'm hopping around. Okay. So pick one of these, Kirk. Student loan borrowers get more clarity on Biden's plan to adjust payment history. Biden's mortgage reduction plan may burden one minority group the most, experts, and the average retiree spends $4,345 on monthly expenses and burns 75% of that on in just four categories. How does your spending stack up? What do you like? I think I, I, the first one about the college. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Let me open this sucker up here. All right. So this is from an article from Yahoo Finance. The writer is Rhonda Lee, and it's April 28th, 2023. The federal government provided more details on its plan to adjust the payment histories of millions of student borrowers, a move that will get them closer to debt forgiveness. The Education Department this month specified which old loans are eligible for this one-time payment adjustment, how borrowers with certain loans can qualify, what borrowers in default can expect, and when the adjustment will occur and when repayments will begin. Okay, I'll stop there. You got any gut reactions about student loans and what's going on in general? The the cost of college rate has just been going up and up for quite some time. And I think it's I think it's, to me, at least from people that I speak to, and it seems to me, me like at this point now, people are, it's still a mixed bag as far as what people are willing to pay and willing to 
I have their kids pay and all that. But I, I think people are starting to really look at the value and trying to maybe select a school based on affordability more in and also looking down the road at quote unquote return on investment as far as what kind of a job you might get. And I, I think it's just because the numbers have just kept escalating so high yep. that it's just it's finally becoming a pretty it's always been an issue, but I think it's becoming more and more of an issue and people are thinking twice about maybe what their original plan was for what are they going to do about their kids. Yeah, my I got some specific comments. The, we've seen people with student loans and the Parent PLUS loans and a bunch of other things. First of all, it's a maze to borrow money from the government for college, okay, and to try to figure out which loans to pay off faster. Or it, the, the whole system got so big so fast over the years, okay? And folks, we're not doing politics here. Republicans, Democrats, everybody's to blame over the last 50 years. So let's just get over that. The bottom line is that we have this government student loan bureaucracy and a whole lot of folks are just confused about what they're paying, how they're paying, how can they consolidate it, okay? What's going on in the last couple of years about some... COVID delays and forgive. We've had a few people we've met and it's tough to start to do some retirement planning for them because you don't know what their loan situation is going to be or how it's going to get resolved. So it's, I guess my first comment is it's really confusing for folks Mm -hmm. who have these loans. My, My second generic comment is that the government, all politicians, all parties, yes, you had a kind thought to help people, okay, to get through college, but the bottom line is I think we've encouraged people, okay, to borrow money that maybe they couldn't have afforded to begin with, okay, and we're reading all these, the burdens that the younger folks and middle-aged folks have with whatever college loan. Isn't there a little personal responsibility for when you borrow money that you can pay it back and how all that works? I think the whole loan program itself has encouraged us to be, I won't maybe irresponsible or maybe not pay much attention to the fact that it's so easy to borrow money that it's really but it's a lot harder to pay it back and most people don't don't look down the line their future to see how that works a thing we see enough folks with large college loan debts for their kids okay that that affect retirement plans and there's an article i rubbed across and one of, one of the things was parents helping kids financially who got themselves into trouble but you, your point is the most important one a college is so expensive today okay forget about people with where you sit by the way the government doesn't have enough money to pay off whatever loans we're talking about and we'll just print some more money if that happens and that's just the way we do things unfortunately but bottom line is that for folks who have kids yet to go to college, you, you have the ability not to maybe make some mistakes that people have made in the past. Look at what your kid's going to major in. Look at, tell, talk to your kid about what the income possibilities are of that. Go to a college that you can get a return on your investment with, okay, that makes, you know, that gets you someplace. There are a bunch of majors that you get out of college, you're virtually unemployable, okay? <clears throat> there are a bunch of majors where you get out of college, you can make a pretty good chunk of money. And 
a child's happiness. My kid wants to do this. My kid wants to do that. I sure as heck didn't know what I wanted to do when I was 17 and chose to major in biology and education at Tufts. Okay, a thing. And, and so there's a, how is a 17 or an 18 or a 19-year-old person, okay, really able to scope out the rest of their life and know what they want? The thing. So you have to be careful. I think the idea of going to college is not to, is to get a job, okay, that you can earn a living and become financially independent, and hopefully you like it. But if the starting line is, I like, I want to major in this, and because I love doing this, if it's some area where the financial earning prospects, okay, are bleak, okay, or poor, at least I hope the parents and the child have done some math about how do you pay back loans or how is this going to work or how is that going to work? And I honestly think that there are a whole lot of people who didn't give that very much thought and we see some of the unfortunate consequences of that in our business. That was pretty polite the way I said that, don't you think? I was not offended at all. (laughs) I was trying to be really nice, but that's the point. Folks, if you haven't yet sent a kid off to college, do a little math, sit the kid down, okay, explain about income, yada, 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 okay, and by the way, maybe you already have a child that's out of college that you made some mistakes with or didn't help enough or are feeling badly about lessons learned. It all goes back to people should take responsibility for their own financial situation and hopefully everybody's thinking about that so anyway yeah the it's pretty it's just pretty amazing okay but it's just the way it is so if you have student loans good luck with whatever how it it ends up okay but i guess the most important thing is for folks who have not yet put their children through college, there's a whole lot of lessons about sitting down and doing some math and having some serious discussions about college majors, college costs, and income. Okay, I think there's a fairly significant, I don't know what the proportions are, but there's a whole bunch of folks that got some very fine degrees from college that aren't making a lot of money and I'm not sure if they figure that out when they were before they went to college and hopefully they don't regret it after but they just might so you just got to be careful that's all anything else on that Kirk before I move along or what the only thing I was going to say was more and more I keep thinking about how how valuable or like a like trade schools can be oh yeah oh great point great point okay I feel those types of people and those types of services are like in such high demand (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) Uh, and there are people out there that are really good at that and but again it's the same issue that you mentioned earlier it's you know who want who knows what they want to do for the rest of their life but but if you like if you like doing something like that something technical or something where you're you're out and you're working working with your hands or whatever it may be i just feel like that's such a good that's a good return on investment yeah. Folks, when's the la- how soon can you get a plumber or an electrician or a carpenter to your house? What's the waiting line and how much did that cost when they showed up to things? So there are some terrific, I don't, tr- trades, they have, to, they have to do some better marketing and call it something other than a trade, I think, because there might be a little negative consequences for some people on that phrase. But boy, there's a whole lot of occupations that don't require a four-year college degree that pay pretty darn well. And by the way, those prospects for those occupations are improving. Nobody wants to do anything. Everybody wants to hire somebody to do something. And there's... (laughs) There's money to be made and lives to be lived if you do something like that. Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. 
Okay. Okay. So let's see here. Oh, we having fun here or what? Okay. Let's see. <clears throat> okay. Let's try, pick one of these three. I'm hopping all around, Kirk. This yeah. is your special day because I'm letting you choose these. One of those yeah. things. Okay. Should you draw from your 401k and delay claiming social security? That's one. Argentina seeks to tame inflation. Okay. Peso with the biggest rate hike since 2019. And, okay... I want to roll over my money to a Roth IRA. How do I avoid paying taxes? Hmm. <laughs> Which one of those do you like? I feel I like the first one, but I feel like we've talked a little bit about that. So oh. Maybe let's try the third one with the, about the, the Roth. Third one, okay. All right, so here we go. So this is again from Smart Asset, who, by the way, is a financial company that does things and then they they basically refer folks to financial advisors so that's pretty much i think where these folks come from it's always nice to know who's writing the article where their biases are little stuff like that but anyway okay so the article is called ask an advisor there's the bias there i want to roll over my money to a roth ira how do i avoid paying taxes and the article was april 26th by susanna schneider we want to give all appropriate situations here so before i even do any reading go ahead tee off and what are your questions or comments about just the title i think the title of the article we could discuss for about an hour but anyway take it from here i the reason i picked this one is because i want to know how i cannot pay taxes <laughs> i want to i want to know what these secrets are <laughs> Or why, yeah, or does it say why it's a good idea to do that? Well, even? it basically says that's a dumb question. You have to pay taxes. That's like the very short story, folks, on how this works. But that's what I, that's what I assumed, but, but it, it gets you hooked, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does, and that's the issue here. But I, I wanted to, so let me read the short story, and then we can talk about, I think, Roths in general. Okay. Hey, Tim, you got a second? I got a scratchy machine in the background here. I'm not sure if I'm doing something right or wrong or whatever, but something's making noise. I'm not sure. Can you hear it on the line? No, you can't hear anything? Nope. No. Okay. No. All right. In that case, I'll just deal with the scratchiness. Okay. Generally, the answer here is no. There's typically no method to totally dodge taxes on a Roth IRA conversion. Eventually, all... Well, okay. Now you come in here and I can't see that, but okay. Maybe it was just me, Tim. I must have been imagining things. Sorry about that. Anyway, the answer is no No way it happens, folks. Okay. Eventually, Uncle Sam will come to collect your tax-deferred retirement accounts, either when you execute a Roth conversion and withdraw, or withdraw funds, one way or the other. Okay. So <clears throat> I just wanted to use that as a jump start to talk about Roth IRAs in general. Yep. So it was the whole article. It had that nice big title, and I was just yeah. like, "Nope, yeah, can't yeah, do it. yeah." Okay. But the so the my so here are some generic comments here, folks. Okay, a raw and a typical tax deductible retirement plan. There's about twelve different names that we can use, like four hundred three bs and four hundred one ks and four fifty sevens and whatever and IRAs. Okay, you put in a dollar, your income shrinks by a dollar. Okay, and you're investing hundred cent dollars, okay, because you get a tax deduction, but you pay later when you take it out. Okay, so there's a tax deduction now. Okay, the good news is you didn't pay taxes and invest what was left of the dollar. You invested a hundred cent dollar, best best kind of dollar to invest. Okay, and when you take it out, 
you pay taxes at whatever your rate happens to be somewhere down the line, okay? Yep. A Roth IRA is a different critter, and if you're eligible for one, I'll get into my comments about the good, the bad, and the ugly on Roths in a little while here, but in a Roth IRA, okay, if you're eligible, you can put an after-tax dollar into a Roth IRA. In other words, any money that you've sa- that you've saved you, this year you and presumed to have paid taxes on, you put that money into a Roth IRA. So you and so if I'm going to do a fair comparison, and if you're in the 25 percent tax bracket to the federal government and five to Massachusetts, you put 70 cents into a Roth, not a dollar, because you had to pay taxes on that dollar before you got there. So if we're going to do a fair comparison, a Roth IRA is a 70 cent dollar invested but when you take it out okay there's no taxes so let's see i put a hundred cent dollar in there and take it out at a certain rate later and pay taxes on it unknown or i put a 70 cent dollar in there now and it's tax free later okay and most i don't know how most people would react to taking a vote if i just stopped there and explain those are the two deals. What do you think? I'll explain both of them a bit. Yeah. What do you think? I think the, the first thing that you know pops into my mind is what's the break even? Yeah, yeah. People like if, probably don't if, ask that. Yeah. So if you put the seventy cents in, how long does it take for that to grow back to a dollar just to yep. break even? Yep. And then on going, and then you start, and then you start winning. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> After that, so to speak. Okay. So we're going to stay with the big picture for a while, folks. And I- let me spend a few minutes on this one. This is a biggie, I think, from my point of view. Okay, so here's the deal. Which one do I... You know, there are more and more folks who have 401k Roth options as opposed to 401k regular options, too. Thing. So there are more people who have this choice. Okay, so the answer is pretty simple. If you know your tax bracket now and know what it will be in retirement, you can make a choice. And if you don't, then you're making a guess, and that, and you just have to understand that. Here's here's how I would look at this, which I think is reasonably sensible. Okay, if your tax bracket in retirement is going to be lower than your tax bracket now, you want to do a traditional kind of a retirement plan where you deduct money at say. 70 percent. You save. You save thirty percent now. If you're in a if you're in a thirty percent tax bracket now, and if you're in a fifteen percent tax bracket later, you want to deduct money at thirty percent and pay taxes at fifteen percent. It's just it's just as simple as that. I, I, end of story. Okay. If your tax bracket in retirement is higher than your tax bracket now. You want to put all your money in a Roth because you want to pay taxes on money at 15% and avoid taxes later on at whatever your tax bracket is in retirement. And by the way, if your tax bracket in retirement is exactly the same as it is now, it doesn't make any difference. Now, that's a big picture way to look at it, and everybody's situation is obviously different, but that's how you look at that. So if you really knew what your tax bracket was going to be in retirement, you could choose wisely. Let's be honest, what percentage of Americans are going to have the same or a higher tax bracket, okay, in retirement than they are when they're working? The answer is it's a small one, 
and those folks should be basically doing the Roth, okay? Okay, because, but most people don't. For most people, their tax brackets in retirement are lower. I got to tell you that Roth IRA should have no appeal for somebody who's going from the 25 or 30% tax bracket to 10 or 15 in retirement. I don't know why they're doing that. Now, your turn. Go for it. um, There are some exceptions. Agreed, but go ahead. I think sometimes it's the... The fear of in the fear of the tax brackets changing. Yep. Right. Yep. The fear that the IRS is going to change the tax code at some point, and based on what you hear in the news about the, the national deficit and all that stuff, that in order to make up some of that money, they're going to have to increase taxes. Yep. And so I think that's part of the fear and the unknown that tax brackets might go up. And so they want to hedge their bets and maybe put some money into a Roth now. Yeah. And there are folks probably with pretty good incomes that that are maybe thinking that way. And my answer to that is hedge it. Put a few bucks in a Roth 401k just in case, but don't make a whole bet on it given the circumstances. Do you know what I mean? Again, there are a bunch of exceptions we could get into, but... Those exceptions are for a small percentage of people. I'm not sure how much time we want to spend on them. But the bottom line is it sounds tax-free and it sounds very attractive. You just got to do the math, folks, about how that works, okay? So it's okay to hedge your bets and do a little of both if you think so. By the way, if your point about raising taxes in the future, <clears throat> generally speaking... If the government's going to raise taxes, they're not going to pick on retirees because they vote a lot. But it's entirely possible to pick on wealthier retirees. And yeah, the fear of higher taxes may lead to a hedge. Okay, the music says we're going to take a break and be right back. 